Welcome back, guys. It's me, your boy Eli, and it's good old Joe. We're here for another great episode of the Geeks and Terrians, where we this time we talk about something a little more chill. Um, we're talking about like you know adaptations. You know, when you when you read a comic or a book, and you see that a movie is going to be made about that book, and it, usually the first reaction is, "No, please God, don't do that. You're gonna ruin it." Nine times out of ten. Or probably more recently, probably a little more like eight out of ten times, um, they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. Most of the time, it's wrong. And they sometimes Hollywood would adapt them from whatever it be you know comics, graphic novels, manga, anime, books. So this conversation right now that I'm having with Joey, who studied film. Who has at least know how script writing works. Basically, we're gonna be talking about sort of things, sort of the adaptation, the issue of adaptation. And Joy, you you studied film. Yeah, yeah, I went to college for it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you spent like uh, how much money on that? Nothing, Ellie, because I had uh, tuition. Yeah, you know, good old federal student aid uh, paid for that tuition. I did have to pay for living expenses though, because you know, but uh, that's besides the point. Uh, but yeah, uh, adaptation is definitely sort of one. Of, uh, it's a it's a common thing with a lot of like uh, big Hollywood movies nowadays that they're always based on something. You know, like when when something gets big in terms of like the literary world or say comics nowadays especially uh you know movie studios are very quick on the on the gun and uh, just want to like adapt them and turn them into a movie and you know to make a pretty sizable profit from that stuff because usually when you're adapting something it, it has a sizable marketable audience mm -hmm. that will you know be interested in seeing a live action or sometimes animated version of said uh, proper uh, like pro property. So yeah, it's it's definitely uh, adaptations is definitely sort of just it's always been sort of a thing. Even the at the beginning of like uh, a film, um, I'm pretty positive a some there were some uh, early film adaptations of various literary works such as. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Robin Hood, King Arthur, like back in the day. So yeah, the like, the old film Nosferatu is slightly based off Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, obviously, like this sort of thing of like adapting books and not uh, books and various other properties into mm -hmm. films is not uncommon. You know, it's been around for as long as film has been around because. You know, uh, I think it's partially due to the fact that it's like, hey, you know, people have read these sort of stories before and maybe seeing them in a visual medium will create a difference. Or probably it's sort of like, oh, yeah, we could just, uh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna, this isn't a, a bash any director or whatever, uh, but it's like, oh, I can just, we can just take a already written story and I don't have to put that much effort into mm -hmm. making our own story kind of thing. Again, not to bash any like creative directors. I mean, obviously, there's been great adaptations that are, that I think are superior to their uh, written previous counterparts. For a lot of people, that's The Shining. 
yeah, yeah, I think The Shining is definitely an example of that. Like Stanley and Stanley Kubrick uh, made an ex- very excellent film that a lot of people enjoy. Um, Stephen King did not like the adaptation and went about making his own adaptation years later, and a lot of people were sort of like, eh. doesn't have the same feel. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, you know, that's that's kind of the other thing about adaptations is that you can get multiple adaptations of of a, of a certain property because mm-hmm. when it comes to the director and the writer who are adapting these stories into the visual medium of film it's you know different people bring their own sort of ideas and interpretations interpretations into the work i mean you know like i think one of the clearest examples for me of that relating to like sort of comics is mm-hmm uh the three spider-man film series that we've had over the past 20 years sam raimi uh mark webb and the current marvel films right yes exactly yeah like we we've seen these various interpretations of Mm spider-man from three you know very different directors right Mm -hmm. uh right because they're all the uh, for the first three it's sam raimi then the amazing spider-man with tom holland it was mark webb and these ones are I can't remember the name of the act, of the director, that he's the one who made a clown, right? Or that one horror movie about a clown? Yeah, I like his name escapes me off the top of my mind, but yeah, like he's directed uh, uh, Homecoming and Far From Home, the latest MCU Spider-Man films. Uh, Mark Webb has done the Andrew Garfield films, between Spider-Man One and Two, and of course Sam Raimi has done the original Spider-Man trilogy, and looking at all of those, John Watts. That's his name. Yeah, John Watts. I knew it was like something Watts. Um, but yeah, it, just looking at how, you know, three separate directors, three separate teams of uh, filmmakers mm-hmm. looked at Spider-Man, mm-hmm. looked at this property, and, re- and created different iterations of it. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi sort of drew from like, like from his Spider-Man from like the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. you know quirky cheesy you know good yeah. old like superhero fun uh uh mark webb sort of like added it went more sort of like uh a bit more like i guess dark knight kind of it, it was a bit slightly more realistic trying to do things slightly different so that you know it could justify itself as being different from the original century Sam Raimi trilogy as well as like I feel like that one was going to be a little too modern. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there was a big focus on the relationships Peters had, especially with like when Stacy and like uh, you know trying to figure out what happened to his parents and stuff like that, and with the recent series with Tom Holland and in the MCU, it's more kind of like a very sort of like uh kind of back to basics kind of thing mm-hmm. with spider-man like just bring him sort of set him down as just sort of like you know your friendly neighborhood spider-man he's not really like like is he's he uh, at least well to be fair at least in the second movie uh he's not necessarily uh uh doing any sort of like saving the world stuff granted he's you know Mm-hmm. done some of that infinity war and end game it, and stuff like that it, it brings in the idea of spider-man being part of a universe which i know for some people they really hate that idea but that's kind of spider-man's thing you know he's sort of that bridge between like you know the street level heroes like that of daredevil luke cage but also 
you know, he's also part of this bigger universe with like the Avengers and stuff. Like yeah. you, you probably won't see him going to space or anything, but you know, he's kind of like that bridge gap. Yeah, yeah, I definitely sort of agree with that. Like, and you know, the MCU interpretation of Spider-Man has done pretty done that pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's an Avenger, but he's also mostly just trying to do his best to help out the little guy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is something that you don't really see the other Marvel superheroes sort of being in that sort of like bridge, mm-hmm. you know. And, but yeah, it's it's kind of like one of those things with adaptation. It's sort of just like it's it's neat to see like various people's interpretations of uh very of various stories, you know. Um, so why don't they work half the time? It's it comes down to a lot of things. I feel um, I uh, probably some of it does have to do with like um the people involved right so mm-hmm. i think you know it, it it feels like i feel like a good chunk of adaptations are like the people who are adapting these stories mm-hmm. do they understand the material enough to co- be confident enough to translate this stuff onto the big screen sometimes mm-hmm. it's like yeah like i've read a shit ton of comics or whatever i know this character inside and out and i can make either a story that's based in the comics or something original but still, you know, like holds this mm. the, the, that like character, and, 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 you know, and like this this feels like a story the character would go through. Mm-hmm. Other times, it just feels like, you know, it's sort of like a, uh, you know, like the creators are just like, okay, I, I'm just gonna do some required reading, I guess, and then I'll just yeah, I'll do some. Now, this is mostly for like there. comics, I guess, because like you can say that for a lot of. Batman movies, they just read because if you ever notice, a lot of them sort of always mention the same books, like the the Killing Joke, uh, Year One, like the more Long Halloween, Long Halloween, like they 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 tend to go with the more well known stories rather than you know get go into that deep cut. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely like yeah, and I think this, sometimes that's why we get some repetitions and stuff, but. I feel like that's sort of like the situation Batman has been mm-hmm. recently. It feels like we just keep getting the same some iteration of Batman mm-hmm. with slight tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you and I have said before, if we see another... I doubt, It looks like they're not going to do it for this one, for the Rod Pants movies, but if we see another goddamn... Martha Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Wayne dying in a alleyway with the pearls flying. Yeah, it's like Jesus Christ. We've seen this couple be murdered on screen for like the past ten years. At this point, we get it. It's like Jesus, which is kind of like why I'm so kind of. I know people say like I'm upset they didn't add Uncle Blade. Yeah, but we know. Yeah, we yeah, know. exactly. Like you, like these, like the the MCU Spider Man films understand that. You know, Spider-Man is so ingrained into pop culture that we know who Spider-Man is. We know he's a kid who gets bit by a radioactive spider. His uncle dies and learns that with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. We, it's like the pop, the pop culture zeitgeist understands that to the point where you don't need to see that anymore. He, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have. To, you don't have to show it. He well, we need to mention because even in the movie Homecoming, not Homecoming, Civil War, he's like. When he basically says, "When you have the power to do something, and you do nothing, and the bad stuff still happens, you can you can clearly tell that, that uh, yeah, that's basically great power, great responsibility. But you could also say that you know maybe that's how we lost Uncle Ben. 
right yeah you know it, it, it's just sort of like one of those things mm -hmm. um that i think the, the it was that uh the, the way the mcu has handled spider-man so great but yeah i when it, i think the other thing when it comes back to uh when adaptations go wrong when they don't work i think also part of it i think has to do with the fact that the source material is not suitable for mm -hmm. the adaptation that is being done to it yeah i think uh one of these sort of examples uh i guess in my brain that comes up um would be avatar the last airbender yeah that's that, that that was a that was a thing that was written to be a show yeah like you can clearly tell like you that the adaptation for that was definitely uh it was lacking um and to be fair half of it does also come with m night Shyamalan, who wanted to adapt it because his kids wanted him to make a movie out of it yeah he did he did he did it for his kids yeah but at the same time he he himself um i feel like did a lot of uh create uh had a lot of creative liberties, liberties that he, he definitely went too far on some stuff and my sort of, name is ong not ang yeah like the reason for that being sort of like oh he want you want you, you it's an asian name these are asian names they should be pronounced accurately mm -hmm. but at the same time when you have your three main characters who are supposed to be asian mm -hmm. uh replaced with white people <laughs> it's kind of like i mean okay i, I mean don't get me wrong i 100 percent agree with you i feel like if you at least want to have one white person on as the main three it should have been at least been ang ong whatever you want to fucking call him yeah because they established in that film we're all nomads we're all people from different colors and races Know, yeah yeah that, which yeah i think i mean that makes sense yeah i think that would have been a, a decent way of just being like if it was studio mandated like fine like at least have ang be white or whatever uh -huh. but like and it's, a better actor yeah don't choose the kid just because he does kung fu and that's it it has no prior acting experience mm -hmm. which i gotta say like it's like Man, they're calling. They called him like Shyamalan the next Spielberg at one point. But when you do stuff like that, it's sort of like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing, M Night? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I like Sixth Sense, and I like Unbreakable. And you know, he's done. He's he's made a comeback with uh with recent films as well. Yeah, Split was pretty good. Yeah, so you know, like he clearly still has the chops. But sometimes you sort of just wonder. You see, you, when you see decisions like that you just sort of have to sit you, you want to like sit down with him and be like why do you like this <laughs> you, you you have the talent yeah like why why do, you, why do you do these things why do you do these things yeah but it's it's it is sort of those things where like Which I think, can, can i say i'm so glad that i have you on here because anyone else that would be so ranting and raving about m night but you come from a place of like listen i get what you're doing but like no yeah yeah like it, all right, to go off on a slight tangent, it is super weird in in Last Airbender, uh, M Night likes to do a lot of these weird like one take kind of things, mm -hmm. but it just feels so like. But when it, when he does it with the action, it just doesn't feel like mm -hmm. right. No, it doesn't. Feel right, no. When it when it comes to like various like just non action things, one shots are pretty great. But when it comes to action, it feels so artificial. But anyways, besides you're not Daredevil, yeah, you're not Daredevil, right? But anyway, besides that, um, yeah, I, I think adaptations 
like do definitely go wrong when the source material isn't cut out for whatever you're adapting it into and mm -hmm. i think that's part of the reason why uh there like there are like rumors of like the a production problems with the latest live action avatar mm -hmm. that's going to be on netflix or whatever supposedly they wanted to go really dark and a lot of other stuff that i'm like that's yeah i think that rumor is like kind of fake but uh, you know the fact that the creative team behind the original avatar were on you mm -hmm. know we're on it but then they chose to leave yeah just, it tells you that something's not right yeah i think yeah it definitely shows that like clearly even when having the original people there mm -hmm. making these adaptations isn't you know simple to do and i think a lot of people just tend to want you know just to be just kind of like how it is in the book but the problem is and i remember hearing this from like some reviews some like people's thought process on adaptations the problem with the the problem with you know whether it be from a book would it whether it be from a book comic TV show they're they're written to be for that medium a yeah. book can can go as long as it wants you can stop and you, and you can come back to it at any time you want but you can't really do that with a movie or TV show yeah it's it's you know when like I it is very sort of like a uh, you know, like books have like these various sort of like uh, internal monologues and various other things. Mm -hmm. I mean, people have like weird problems with the Harry Potter uh, movies because there are some things they be omit from the book. Just because the books can get so long that you have to omit some things that mm -hmm. uh, just won't fit in like a two and a half hour runtime. Because you know, you need it, movies need a thematic pacing. You know, a sort of like rise and fall action sort of thing within mm -hmm. movie. You know, said like time limit, um, or else it's just gonna it's gonna feel very either rushed or just way too long because you're gonna start putting a bunch of random mm -hmm. details from the novels and stuff like that. And that's I think that's one thing that people tend to you know forget. And you know, I've seen people argue that it should be just like this in the book. Other, well, I'm more like if it's a change, it has to be a change that I'm willing to understand. Some of these are really hard to adapt. They said that I mean they said that for a long time for the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, they said this is unadaptable. There's so much stuff in there that you just can't really do, and they were right. That's why we started off with the animated films, but even then they couldn't really finish it. They had to change. Um, they had to change. You know animation departments it was a uh, ralph bashke who did like uh the who did lord of the rings the first lord of the rings animated film that was like that had you know the first two books kind of spliced together to be one right and then um what was the other uh i think rankin bass rankin bass did the third film yeah and it was, it was just starring jeff i mean they they were able to complete the first three the, the books but you know it, there's clearly like some there's there's clearly some you know uh questionable stuff but you know then we get peter jackson who through some miraculous way made it his own made his kind of his own way and granted the um the family of uh tolkien don't didn't they didn't like the movies they didn't like the movies they, they thought they were too actiony right and which is because like the whole point of you know one of the big points of Lord of the Rings is like, you know, 
it's Frodo traveling and he's basically, you know, experiencing all these the it's it's sort of a reflection of Tolkien's heart the horrors of war that he's went through in during World War One. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kinda of reflective in Frodo's journey. So they they felt like that wasn't there. I mean, I would argue that it, it kinda is. We just don't really hear his internal monologue and stuff like that. Right. But you know, it it kind of it, he made it work. He didn't. He made it work in his own way. But you know, there's still people, and this is specifically coming from the anime community, that like, oh, I want it to be exactly like this. If it's not like this, then it doesn't count. I've heard so many people say that. I've had many conversations with people. And heck, our first episode was literally on that. Was the uh, film adaptation, anime film adaptations, and why they can't really get it right. Right. Because yeah. like, that's made for a different medium. Even when anime is condensed into like a whole series into a movie, you know the compilation films. Right. Rarely do they ever still feel the same. Yeah, because I'm assuming that a lot of these, you know, a lot of these compilation films are essentially squeezing 20, 25 episodes into like a two-hour runtime. Yeah. So you're skipping out on a lot of like character development stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, only a couple of anime films I've seen do it right. I know with you. Um, it was the Mobile Suit Gundam film trilogy. That was for you. Yeah. That Because I know cause that's how you were introduced to the original series. I more or less watched the OG stuff. And you decided to go for that because you're like, this is going to take too long. And, and it <laughs> turns out the movies are perfect for you. Yeah, you know, it's it's sort of like the, listen, all right, I respect mm-hmm. uh, old animation, but seeing old uh, 70s animation sometimes makes me hurt. And so... <laughs> it, it's sort of like a, why why is it gonna like like elongated in really weird positions why is it yeah there's some weird stuff in there weird stuff in there but i mean with the movie and stuff it it, it it's a bit more concise mm-hmm. from what i've heard of the original series a lot more so kind of does this weird like robot of the week kind of thing yeah it's very it goes very um it's a very serialized saturday morning cartoon kind of shit yeah so like condensing them all into three separate movies you know, it's. It, I think it works for Gundam because you essentially just get rid of a lot of encounters that kind of don't really mean much. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess coming from me, saying that if by some random cosmic coincidence, Hollywood or whatever mm-hmm. film industry in the world decides to make a JoJo's. Like part three adaptation, I would be absolutely miffed <laughs> if they decided to cut like any sort of stand fights, right? Mm-hmm. From part three, like I like I would lose my mind if they cut out the Steely Dan fight because it's like what the hell? But I mean, that's when I get to the point, and like that because it's like you know it's written to be a TV show kind of stuff, yeah. And, like you know serialized yeah. stuff. It, it you know if it if, it, if you're doing it if it's a movie you're gonna end up losing a lot of stuff fight fight specifically too yeah it it, it, yeah and i think yeah that is sort of the thing when it comes to adapting a movie into a film sort of format it's Mm -hmm. you're losing like with avatar you like you you lose a lot of that stuff you don't see the kyoshi warriors in the movie they were planning to show up yeah there was a little scene that kind of it was like hinting at them but you know they are like important later on in the story too especially uh suki Right, mm-hmm. so it, it it will feel out of place when you if 
if there was a sequel and then you have to inter- have Suki be a larger role and be like, who the hell? Like, casual audience would be like, who the hell is this chick? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like, that kind of reminds me of uh, the the Percy Jackson uh, adaptations. That's right. I forgot about the Percy Jackson films. Yeah, the first one, like, you know, is serviceable. I, I, I'll be honest, I, I did not read Percy Jackson. I, know, I read Percy Jackson. I know the basic story beats in mm-hmm. overall. But I didn't finish it, by the way. Yeah. Um, but the fact that the first novel sets up the main big villain mm-hmm. for the entire series, Kronos, mm-hmm. but the movie just sort of just doesn't do that. The second movie has to work overtime to like introduce Kronos, do this whole sort of like big prophecy plan, and then they sort of defeat them in the second movie, even though, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's supposed to be a thing that happens in the last book, right? Mm-hmm. So it goes from the first movie not having enough details from the book and being mm-hmm. kind of its own separate thing to like you know to I guess to appeal to a mass audience. Mm-hmm. And then when you have the second book, you have the movies based on the second book, and you realize, oh shit. There's so much, there's stuff here that was explained in the first book. We have to work overtime to somehow fit all of this exposition into this second film mm-hmm. and make it so jumbled that you kind of just put, you, you've written yourself in a corner, right? Yeah. And that sort of, again, is the sort of balance of adapting any sort of material into sort of uh, another material, right? Like, it, it's kind of, you know, you're like, it, it comes with like a balancing act, right? What stuff do you leave out? And if that stuff isn't, and you, and you decide to leave out some stuff that's actually super important later on, then you're kind of like, unless you can find a way to like subtly or like without being intrusive, slip that back in, then you're just going to be like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen that before in films. Like, I mean, I, I, I grew up watching mostly the Harry Potter films, but even I've noticed that in one of the films, uh, the half blood prince, there really isn't much mention of the Half-Blood Prince or, like, how it, you know, relates to the story. I mean, we'll find out, yeah, it's Snape, obviously, but, you know, there's no real way to it, as I'd expect from, like, someone who's read the book and they explain the, why it's so important. I don't remember what, really what it was, because that was a long, long time ago. Like, I didn't read the books, I've only seen the movies, and I will agree with that, because... Being the half blooded prince, I'm like, what? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. If, <laughs> if you read the book, then it makes sense, but the movies didn't do a good job of explaining it. It's that. like, okay, like, I get like, It's sort of like, oh, he's the half blooded prince. I guess that's neat. And yeah. I'm assuming if you read the book, it's like, oh my god, Snape, no. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of no, like. No, no, I think I recall now. It's more like he is kind of half blood. Right. So that's why he calls himself the half blood prince. Right. Okay. That that makes so that makes sense because like you know it's the whole purity of of, of blood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like you know, there's that's why they treat Hermione bad because she is not. She's a she's a she's a mud blood. She's mud blood. Yeah. So she, she she's not. She didn't come from a family which of witches. She was happened to born of one. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like those. I mean, that's a very important detail, and I, I think that's why. Yeah, I think that's the issue that most uh, adaptations get to. Sometimes they kind of miss the point yeah. of the story. And 
whether it be, you know, something like Dragon Ball Evolution, where like, what did you do? <laughs> this the Dragon Ball is a base on the journey to the West. You should have done kind of like a journey to the West story. What? <laughs> or Aragon, which I heard is even worse because it didn't do, you know, the way the book's supposed to be. Actually, I think they completely didn't even do that whole book. And what was the other book? The Dark Tower, which is adaptation of the third book instead of the first book. And all this random stuff, you know, they, they, they these are all books that like, or and stuff like that, that you know they're supposed to they're, they're really good books but they miss the point or like they just choose not to go in all the way right and like, let me ask you this why is it that because you 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 you've never really done film i mean done a film but you understand the whole script like it's the script writing process why is it that we you have to chunk cut out a lot of stuff for a book if if you were to write base one on a book Again, it, it's a lot of, uh, it's it's sort of like pacing, right? Mm. You have to like, it's a balancing act of like, what is important here? What What is, what are you willing to cut out to make this story still be logical mm -hmm. and fit whatever runtime you need? Because honestly, like if, uh, in my brain, in my brain, seeing how this probably would work in a studio format, you got producers telling you, Listen, this movie has to be at least like two and a half hours. We need you to adapt this like YA novel that sells millions of dollars because we need that money, right? So you're sort of just sitting there having to figure out, okay, I gotta read through this book. I gotta figure out what are the basic like plot points A to B to C. How are we gonna get there? And what stuff is in here that is not important enough? Sometimes that's a lot of internal monologues and various other like small details that uh, aren't truly necessary for you to mm -hmm. get the idea. Because sometimes you can uh, have those sort of internal monologue things be sort of represented by actors having like uh, you know emotional cues mm -hmm. subtly and stuff like that to be like instead of just having a character just narrate their their thoughts in a movie, you can just sort of have them do some slight reactions and sort of like, ah, that is them. And hopefully have uh, people be like, ah, that is the character thinking about this situation in the book or whatever. But sometimes like you, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's a balancing act. You have to like, if you're going to cut something out, that's actually super important. Then you're sort of like, well, what do I do here? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it, a lot of times it's sort of like that. Um, I will say that I feel like comics kind of sometimes are, can kind of get away with stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Com like comic book uh, movies and comics. Um, mainly because I, mean, I feel like a lot of comic book movies nowadays sort of like take inspiration from various different comics to mm -hmm. sort of stitch a sort of... Very, like, well, I mean, like the, the, the thing with comics, and I, I've said this before, coming from as a big comic book fan, and also I'm a big manga fan, so those of you don't know, um every writer has a different interpretation of the character and they've always that's why we've we've had it so long because every writer has a different viewpoint of the character usually i mean they usually get the base of like okay this is what spider-man is to his core i'm going to write a story centered around him and that you know and i'm gonna focus on you know him getting being challenged and stuff 
that's why you know in one of our past episodes we talked about you know there's really any characterization and there it kind of is but it's kind of hard because they're supposed to stay in a way that is true to who they are right because like i'm trying to think of a, of a good example um so daredevil right right the there was a movie and there's a tv show a lot of people prefer the tv show because it because a lot of daredevil stuff is centered around you know the work that he does right he it's he doesn't so easily just go and beat people up it's like he's got to go through a lot of you know self-discovery and a lot of journey because he's a very religious character yeah he is a catholic dressed as the devil <laughs> so uh he 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 has a lot of a uh, questioning of to do right and that's something that the that the movie kind of got but didn't really you know succeed at right you know he had a he had an issue of like you know what if he's the, you know kind of a good guy or a bad guy you know if he's doing his right but it's never really explored as well or, or it's not even getting enough time to do it right while the show really challenges a lot of the stuff that he's going to especially season three which is probably my favorite season of of all making it rightfully so that it is the last season too because netflix likes to cancel a lot of good shows so you know not gonna go into that but you know because like you haven't seen season three yet because you know you you just you want to you said you'll get to it when you can but you're you're kind of lazy on that area yes uh yeah that's very true uh but yeah it is uh but yeah i think you're definitely right on that um but i sort of like think about it in like various like taking various plot points and sort of adapting them into various different things um in the back of my brain like i think one of those sort of like kind of examples is uh when it comes to uh iron man iron mm-hmm. man 2 specifically uh where they kind of have an adaptation of the demon in the bottle uh, yeah. storyline but obviously alcoholism is a very touchy subject and especially given robert Downey jr's past mm-hmm. addictions i i can see them having sort of like a a very tough situation on how to handle that sort mm-hmm. of thing so they changed it up a little bit so that it's his like arc like little material mm-hmm. thing sort of slowly poisoning him and he's sort of just like i don't care i'm gonna die yeah it's it's very you know it's, it's it works yeah like it works for that and so like it's sort of that's sort of like the thing in my brain when it comes to like, comic book movies being able to like uh do that well where they sort of just take like certain aspects and sort of adapt them, but it's not like a full-on adaptation of said storyline. I mean, again, uh, you got stuff like Age of Ultron. It takes the comic book name, it shares the name with a similar comic with the comic book Age of Ultron, but the comic Age of Ultron has literally nothing to do with the movie Age of Ultron except sharing the name. Because mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, Age of Ultron in the comics is like this, you know. It's an actual Age of Ultron. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, and there's a bit of time traveling involved. Yeah, you got Wolverine and stuff like that doing yeah. stuff. So obviously the MCU taking that name is only really there just to use the name and just create its own original story using Ultron and various mm-hmm. other. Whether elements. and whether you feel it's good or not, it's you know totally up to you. Yeah, but it's kind of it's kind of derivative of the, of the of the name. I mean, like Winter Soldier, you know, it works as its own thing. You know, it's clearly inspired by you know Ed Brubaker's. Uh, storytelling and him bringing back Bucky as the Winter yeah. Soldier, and you know some people say the Winter Soldier wasn't you know wasn't really the bad guy. Like no, it's about his relationship, his relationship with the Winter Soldier. 
movie. That's why we have. Same thing with Civil War. It's not. Yeah, but let's say Civil War. Yeah, Civil War is not one to one. Yeah, it's not, and I'm glad for it because in the book they're all kind of, you know, Cap and Iron Man are kind of equal assholes in a way where like you, you don't want either one of them to win. Yeah, and that you know, in the movie, you know, it's more, it's kind of subtle. Well, actually, no, it is subtle. Sorry. All right, that's cool. Yeah, you just edited that out. But, you know, it's they they have essentially a subtle issue of like who would be in control of, you know, the Avengers, and depending on what issue it would be, you know, do we do we get ourselves involved? And what's going on? Cap has a personal issue with getting involved in with the stuff that's happening with Bucky, right? And Iron Man's not for it. In fact, he is tasked to retrieve Cap and Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> that is what the situation for the Civil War. Now, granted, we will, I would have loved to see all these different characters fight for, you know, this reason and that. But, you know, I'm not going to get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's sort of that thing. Even like uh, yeah. Infinity War. Infinity War takes the name of the comic book Infinity War storyline that but the thing is, Infinity War is actually more of an annotation of the infin- of the Thanos quest and Infinity Gauntlet sort of storyline. Mm-hmm. And with Endgame being sort of like its own sort of like original story mm-hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, it, it, it is... That's why I feel like comics... like It feels like they can get away with sort of like deviating from like mm-hmm. annotations and stuff like that. You know? So it's sort of like... Um, yeah, it's sort of like, and I think it's because of what you say, because like writers have different interpretations of the characters, mm-hmm. therefore movie directors can have the sort of like, as long as they understand the base of the character, they can have essentially... And, and Marvel tends to get people who know the characters well. Yeah. There's a reason why John Watts is so into the whole writing of directing his Spider-Man movies. He gets the character. Right. Same thing with John Favreau, same thing with the Russo brothers, they get the character. And then, but you know, doesn't say that it, that it's all comic book movies. Some people either miss the whole point entirely and just try to do an action movie, or are too faithful and still don't get the point. You know, it's, that's why Alan Moore really doesn't like a lot of the movies that are adapted from his work. Right. You know, *Viva Vendetta*. It's one of my favorite movies, but it's not like the book. Right. It, it has a different, you know, message. Message. I feel like the book has a way better message and like a better way of getting through it. But at the same time, it is a drag, man. I, I needed a lot of breaks with that book. But the movie having its own message still was able to produce a very fun and enjoyable, I wouldn't say fun, but you know, very enjoyable, very easy to get through film. Right. While, you know, obviously the other two examples are Legion of the Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's <laughs> That was so bad. Uh, yeah, there was a that, that, that movie was apparently so bad that it caused Sean Connery to be like, "I'm done with movies." Forever. He's done. He's done. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved a Sean Connery to be back. Another film. Yeah, I don't know. And then you know the biggest example is Watchmen. Yeah, and that one is so can be so one to one. But it kind of misses the point, you know. He makes it kind of more of an action movie rather than like, kind of what it was supposed to be, kind of like a think piece, like a deconstruction of a superhero genre. Right. Which is why it's weird that that, that came out. If it, that movie came out now, 
the way it should it should be you know adapted. That would make so much money. Probably, yeah. Yeah, but no, Jack Zack Snyder with don't get me wrong, I, I liked a lot of stuff from that movie. But he kinda of missed the point of the deconstruction. Right, yeah, I, that makes sense. I mean, like, you know, all along the watchtowers, Jimi Hendrix playing in the background while Rorschach and Owlman are walking in the snow. And it's like two strangers like Yeah. That was yeah. that was pretty I was like, God damn it, Zack Snyder, you got me again. Yeah. But no, it's I think comics have that weird thing where they can pull it off, but at the same time it depends on the work. Like if you're doing an exact adaptation of one book, you're not going to get it right. Rather than, you know, something that Marvel and kind of DC have gotten away with because they can, it's a lot, because it's an, they can get, because like it's an overarching, it's not an overarching story. It's more like people's different interpretations of this, of the character. Right. Yeah. I mean, with books, it's harder, like I said earlier, because they can be so long, however they want. If you've ever seen like Game of Thrones the books, they are huge. So it made sense to make those into TV movie into TV shows, until of course they ran out of book material, and then you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, and then you have like like what is it um you know cartoons that are get adapted into film. They're not, they were not made for film, they were made for the TV. Yeah, and plus they're animation, so they have they can pull off things that can't work in sense of realism because it has to be a little sense of a realism if you're doing a lot of action movies yeah and you you can't really do that i mean like there's a reason why you felt it was very jarring to have cgi real animals for lion king yeah yeah to, to make a live action uh version of the lion king well, not even live action just to make a remake of the lion king but instead of like, using like i guess uh sort of like i guess pixar style mm-hmm. uh animation for you know the, the setting it is literally just it looks like you're watching a weird nature documentary now if like if i saw like uh simba eating a a, a, a fucking antelope and tearing its guts out like a real like a real uh, nature documentary that would be pretty sweet you know that'd be like this would be like a kind of crazy adult sort of kind of thing you know you have well, freaking uh what's his name uh david Attenborough narrating yeah. the whole thing that would be pretty swell but no it's literally just realistic looking lions like having to be forced to do things that a real lion shouldn't be able to do and your brain going through the uncanny valley is like what the fuck's going on mm-hmm. what is this what is that mm-hmm. kind of thing so yeah it, it, it that's sort of like the downside i think with you know when you when you talk about like turning like a a cartoon into sort of uh into the live action space i think that's why a lot of like early night like late 90s early 2000s stuff that involved like uh movies based on cartoons do this thing where like the the cartoons come into the real world kind of thing that was bullwinkle and then there was another one that can't think of the top of my head i like to think of space jam Fair enough. But to be fair, Space Jam brings Michael Jordan into the Looney Tunes universe, so that sort of thing. Plus, the Space Jam is his own. Yeah, Space Jam's yeah. great. Uh, but but yeah, it's sort of this, this mm-hmm. thing. Like, even now, like uh, like Sonic, right? Mm-hmm. That came out earlier this year. And instead of like basing itself on the game, well, basing itself on any sort of the storyline of the game, say, like, I don't know, Adventure 1 or Adventure 2 or whatever. <laughs> 
it's its own original story, but Sonic is from a alternate universe mm-hmm. and comes to Earth and goes on sort of a buddy comedy uh, road trip kind of thing. Whether or not that's your style, it, you know, really, mm-hmm. that's your style. That's up to you. It did pretty well for itself, just considering that it sort of stayed faithful to Sonic's design and it overall wasn't an offensively bad movie. So it's like, yeah, it was just pretty, yeah, just fine, right? And now, like, you know, hopefully, like, looking at, like, you know, it, it does, like, the sequel does seem to set up to be more sort of, like, I guess what you would consider a typical Sonic sort of storyline. Mm-hmm. Dr. Robotnik being crazy, probably going around in different universes, doing his little uh, thing. Sonic and Tails probably going to join up, do some stuff, maybe meet Knuckles. You know, various sort of things like that when it comes to mm-hmm. Sonic stuff. So, yeah, you know. And it's not to say that you should that books can't be adapted. I think it just you need to find one the right book probably, but also like the right way to adapt it. There's like, and you have to do it in a way where it's still faithful to the source material. And I think that's just I think that's kind of like it's Hollywood. They they probably wouldn't have the time to read unless you're you're a director who really you know loves the material and really knows what to do i think that's what we're going to end up getting with that's i think we're eventually going to end up getting to like that heck dune looks like like something the director read and loved yeah i mean i've never read dune i just know it's like gritty star wars and it just looks wow it has a lot of sandworms right that's the thing. yeah it's the sandworms yeah okay. Not not like uh, tremors, but like it's a different thing. It's it's space tremors. <laughs> but um, no, and you know we got it now with comics, and they're we're going to a point where they're they're kind of they're they're not yet at it. But I kind of if we're doing talking about comics, I really want them to go all out and kind of like just as crazy as the comics would get. Like I want to see forty hulks jumping off of a heli carrier with with you know banner being world breakers and just you know just imagine like a rain of hulks coming down and how terrifying that acid would look yeah there's still some crazy stuff that still is yet to be adapted into the, the that was like the worst 2014 guys that was an amazing book yeah i mean you know who knows like the the future for marvel is definitely sort of uh same thing with dc yeah that sort of stuff you know mm-hmm. we, we still don't know and there's still books that you know like maybe could work but you know, sometimes they just kind of need to be what they're at. Books. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot easier for, like, say, I think a, a film to turn into a book mm-hmm. just because essentially you're just taking the script and adding a lot of mm-hmm. uh, details and maybe adding extra details to help flesh out the story mode or something mm-hmm. like that. They've done and, that before too. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot. Of, I think you see it all the time. Uh, like a lot of like, I think uh, just like a lot of like those novel editions of star wars movies mm-hmm. i think i remember reading one as a kid of like the novel edition of like um episode three yeah i, I vaguely remember that granted it's you know you, you have to sort of imagine like the, the, some stuff it, it adds like some interesting details but yeah it is sort of like one of those things where like sometimes it's easier to adapt something into another medium than the other way around mm-hmm I mean, just, I mean, I guess, like, in my brain, I always found it super weird that Les Miserables was a book first. That became... That became a musical. musical that later became a movie. 
yeah a movie musical yeah it, it, yeah it, it's super weird how like the 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 the, the triangle you know just like this weird sort of like line of separation that adaptations sometimes go where the the like where Les Miserables is, I think nowadays more known as a musical than it was as a novel, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, and to a similar effect, um, in my brain, it's sort of like, yeah, Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's a novel, and but I think most pe- people now, if you were to ask about what's your thoughts on Hunchback of Notre Dame, they'll, they'll think of the Disney movie sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that was a weird movie, you know. <laughs> I mean, you got a priest talking about, you know, trying to bang a gypsy girl. You got a bunch of talking uh, gargoyles and stuff. You know, it's, it's, man, this movie's super weird, but it's also kind of good. Except for the gargoyles. Uh, you know, it's, it's debatable. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it, yeah. That's sort of like the weirdness of adaptations. And I think for me, like I think I said earlier, like sometimes for me, like when, when something gets turned into a film adaptation, I sometimes like the film more than the book. And for me, that was uh, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. The novel is fine. It's a solid read. It's if you're really into like sort of like the the the, the, the likable old man was actually an asshole. Yeah, the likable old man was an asshole. The lawyer was actually kind of a decent guy. Um, he doesn't get eaten. Yeah, he doesn't get eaten. I'm pretty sure. Uh, the Robert Muldoon fires a fucking rocket launcher at a Velociraptor. Uh, the Costa Rica Costa Rica has a military for some strange reason, even though in real life they don't have a military <laughs> that just goes in kills all the dinosaurs and stuff. Um, it, it's it's it, yeah. A certain character dies. <laughs> oh yeah, Ian Malcolm dies. Yeah, yeah. Even though in the book, well, well, I don't talk about the sequel. I won't talk to people at least not at this moment. But yeah, it, it's sort of like like the book is like its own good thing. But when it came to adapting it, obviously I think Spielberg looked at it, looked at it, looked at the stuff that I think that he was like sort of like thought was neat, changed some stuff up. To probably see it more with the cat with the general audience, and that movie did amazing. It, it, I mean, heck, I'm pretty positive if I remember correctly, the second novel, which is like The Lost World, Michael Crichton only wrote it because Spielberg was like, Hey, can you write another one of those so we can have like a sequel to make? Even though, like, I'm pretty positive the Lost World novel and the movie kind of only share, share very little together, mm-hmm. like, yeah. It's clear, like, the Lost World movie is clearly more of an adaptation, more of an actual sequel to the movie than it is, like, an adaptation of the, of the, mm-hmm. of the sequel book. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you got three, and then, you know. Yeah, we don't talk about three. Yeah, listen, well, three can... listen, three is fine. The Spinosaurus is cool as fuck. I mean, it's inaccurate nowadays, but listen, <laughs> I'm not going to get into, like, the paleontology talk. Uh, no, it's when we actually have a paleontology episode. <sighs> paleontology and geek media. I mean, listen, I'm going to have a field day. I'm just, gonna, I mean, I'm just gonna leave you the mic and just like walk away. I'm going to fucking just talk about how inaccurate so much shit about dinosaurs is in geek culture, right? But besides the point, <laughs> the, the the it was it was more than just the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. We yeah we had discussions before the KT you know extinction event is very complex, but it, it but boiled down the meteor was definitely a major influence in, in the extinction. It was event. the final nail. Not so because birds are dinosaurs, all right? I'm not gonna, we won't get into it, but basically that's what it is. Anyways, but yeah, you know, that's sort of like the interesting thing about adaptations today. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think it just depends on how well the adaptation is. Because, like, 
that the I think Jurassic Park is one of those weird kids where it just it it got the main idea, but it wanted to do its own thing. Like it really wanted to capture the sort of mysticism and whimsy of like dinosaurs. Yeah, like sort of the beauty of of, of dinosaurs if they if they were brought back and if you could see them in action, and also sort of the the horror of like Jesus Christ, you know, like these things are these things are like wild animals and they will do whatever Just they can. Like any animal, like any animal, they they will lose their shit. I mean, like it, I I still go like sometimes whenever Emily comes on, I still remember that that scene where um. Sam was it Sam Elliott? No, it was um the actor, the main actor. Sam Neil. Sam Neil. Sam Elliott was a totally different person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam Neil when like he sees the was it the brontosaurus? What is it? The the brachiosaurus yeah. like standing up and like eating and doing yeah. that whole stuff. The first time you see a dinosaur in the entire film, it's like you and the like the audience and the characters are sort of like, whoa. You know? yeah, and plus the mu- and the John Williams music. Is yeah, like, yeah, it, it sits it all up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's just, it really captures that sort of yeah. Which something I I, I haven't read the book. I, I doubt the book goes into. I mean, you get you. It's more of like a scientific sort of like breakdown. Like the book is definitely more like science fiction kind of like it delves into the actual science behind. Now, how exactly did you clone these dinosaurs? Oh, we did this, this, that. You know, it's like this. It's all. It's it's more. Like they both have that same mission message of, uh, you know, man playing God, shit goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. But like the book is very more analytical about like the consequences of such a thing. While the movie is sort of just sort of like dinosaurs are cool, huh? And and then turns into like a slight horror movie with dinosaurs trying to eat people. Maybe it goes back to what you said. Like it's basically like showing like you know the the, the beauty and uh... the horror of what dinosaurs are. Right? Yeah. yeah. I was, I was gonna say more nature but you know oh yeah nature as well yeah you yeah. know like chaos theory yeah, not chaos theory <laughs> but um i think that's a great place to end it because like you know we, we just we just we just we just went off and just talked about adaptations but yeah like adaptations can be good they can be bad it is a variety of factors that sort of leads to sort of like whether an adaptation of say a book into a movie or a comic book into a movie or a graphic novel into a movie will either lead into this is actually a great adaptation it understood the messaging and the theme of its source material and adapted it well on the screen or dear lord almighty what have you done or it gets it and tries to tell something new yeah kind, you know, of, kind of like Jurassic Park. yeah it, it's it's a wide spectrum when it comes to adaptations and you know like i do i i've definitely heard like people sort of saying that they want to see like an adaptation of jurassic park the novel but that's more close to the novel right mm-hmm. and i would certainly think that'd be kind of a neat way to like sort of bring jurassic park into the zeitgeist i guess in a way that you haven't really seen before because because uh, to be honest like the, like the latest movies have been have played up more of the sort of dinosaurs are just action set pieces mm-hmm. kind of thing um but yeah it, it's it's just one of those uh it's kind of like one of those interesting things is that as long as you have like different people will always have a different interpretation of a source material mm-hmm. and from there you will have different adaptations that will either scale from you know not getting it to that's actually really cool mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah and sometimes it will and like i think the one thing that we uh, adaptations need is just the idea of like i know what this story is about 
or like I understand what it's about and I'm not going to try to do and change it up. But if I do, I want to make sure it still honors what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so I guess earlier that's the last, that is the end of the episode. Um, thanks for checking us out. You guys can catch us on any of our social media platforms, which is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram are more, are more likely areas to, to follow. Um, if you go to our Instagram, you will see a link tree in the description slash bio where you can find not only just our other, I said earlier, our other, you know, social media sites, but also where you can listen to us, like, for example, Caught, for example, Castbox, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, and basically all the kind of podcasts inside, you can go ahead and listen to us. We also have the link to our YouTube where you can see our beautiful bugs talking about whatever thing we can think about at the time. And, you know, when you go to the YouTube, you know, comment, like, subscribe, hit the bell icon. Help us, you know, reach whatever number we can reach at the time. And we also have a Patreon, so you guys can support us in any different way, whether it be from a dollar to two dollars, whatever. We'll, we'll happily accept it. We get, there's a lot of stuff we want to do, and sometimes it takes a little bit of a cash. And we can only do so much in these trying times. Yeah. I would offer 11, but I don't have 11. Yeah, and I get it. It's a sunny joke. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. He just, Joey just didn't find it funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's all I got to say. Thanks, Joey, for always coming by and giving us your ideas on how movies are made from a perspective from a student who has worked on one, at least. Yeah, working on student films. I mean, granted, it's not exactly sort of uh, like indicative of the, uh, I guess, major motion blockbuster film uh, cycle or rather um, process. But, you know, it's still like sort of like the baseline, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have a site of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. i definitely seen how a lot of this stuff plays out. And... Thankfully, it worked out. So thank you guys for taking a chance to listen to us. Be sure to follow us as I started in all these sites. And I hope you guys have a good day. Peace.